Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed here uh, this morning, educating the investors at the South Shore on 95.9 FM WETD and also in the Merrimack Valley on 980 AM WCAP. Um, I am joined this morning, thank you, Tim, by my husband, Kirk Reed, and business partner. Good morning. Morning. Oh, hold on. We, we're sitting in such a way where the microphones are right in our line of sight, so we need to be able to make eye contact and communicate. Um, so, good because morning, everybody. Val- Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah. We recently had Valentine's Day, and uh, we did not do anything special, so this will be our special Valentine's. Mm. It's just me and you here in studio talking about money stuff. Um, all right. This morning, um, well, maybe I thought it was special. Maybe we have a different interpretation. Oh, okay. We are this morning. I kind of thought we would, we can go in a lot of different directions, but I was kind of thinking this morning would be back to basics type stuff. And the reason I'm thinking that is because we recently had the smart with money fair again at the Marshfield high school. This is the seventh year that, uh, we have been lucky enough to cooperate with the high school and help put on this fair for the, uh, seniors. Um, this year's fair was awesome. That's a whole nother story. But what I wanted, what I want, as I was kind of going through and, and talking to the kids and um, 
talking about, you know, establishing good financial behavior early in life and, you know, the importance of doing that. And I just, it just kind of dawned. And, and actually when I was giving my opening remarks and, and during some of the presentations, there were um, volunteers and adults, teachers in the room. And I was kind of like, and I think that they were engaged in, in what we were talking about. And I, it just kind of struck me that this, this stuff is really appropriate, not just for high school seniors, but for a lot of people. Um, it's just kind of the, the basics about why, you know, what is good financial behavior? Why is it so important? And why is it so important early in life? Um, so I, th- and I think that this is relevant to a much wider audience than, than high school kids. So if people listening um, either haven't, you know, started to establish their good behaviors yet, or, or maybe Maybe they have questions about what they're doing, um, or maybe they have um, adult or soon to be adult kids that this is relevant for. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that the audience is pretty uh, wide on this topic. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, I know we can't thank everybody, uh, you know, by name, all the people, the volunteers, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to say the people that I talked to, the volunteers, were all, they were all very into it. Yeah. Um, they were all, you know, they wanted to be there and were happy to help and, yeah. you know, they could kind of see the value and, you know, what was going on. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe they had a, you know, maybe they had a bad experience and learned the hard way, uh, you yeah. know, something financially or, or, or not, uh, or, or maybe they've had kids, maybe they just have kids and they, and they, and they see the, you know, see the value, but they all, you know, basically said either said, or you could tell, you know, that they were, they were very much into it. Uh, they which, have which the adults, you mean? Yes. This was the first year that we did it at the high school and the high school, the Marshall High School, as m- m- many people know, is is a new school. It's technologically advanced. It's spacious. Um, it's nice. And I think um, it was a, that was a great location for us. And also it was great for our volunteers because um, in the past, we've had some volunteers that were there like all day, like 8 a.m. to 1, and that's a long day when you're, you know, when when there's 300 kids that, you know, that, that need help and attention, and, and it can be a long day. But um, this year, we were able to... I think we had more volunteers because volunteers were able to pop in for a couple hours and help with one thing it, it and, and then pop out. Yeah, so it was, it was really great. And the best thing about it this year, which I think contributed to... It's um, its success in terms of what the students learned was the fact that we did some morning breakout sessions. So instead of having the entire event, 300 kids in a big open space, you know, visiting tables and trying to get all the information they needed to know about financial life in that way, we we had them go through four 25 minute sessions in the morning and we hit on some really big important stuff in the morning. So while we had their attention for 15 to 20 minutes straight, you know, before they had to do some, a little bit of work on their budget sheet, um, it was just great to just hammer home some really important points. And, and yeah, we have to go quickly because it really isn't enough time for them to learn all they need to know. But um I think being able to give them like some intense education on some really important topics um, was really helpful. And I think that they understood things a lot better as a result of that. And so that's what I wanted to focus on for the morning. With those four sessions? This morning, yeah. And and two or three of them really, um, because um, 
well, the four the four sessions that we did that that I think are again have a much wider audience than just high school seniors. But one of them was savings and debt management, and those two things, and we'll get into that. But those two things are very related in my mind. So we they learned about the importance of having cash in the bank, um, and the importance of. Uh, trying to avoid certain types of debt anyway, and you know what is debt and, how, and why to avoid certain types, and and if you and if you do have debt, how to pay it back, um, and and there's a lot of stuff in there that I thought was really relevant. And then the other one was retirement savings and investing, um, and actually that one. There, even 25 minutes for that one was not long enough. So we can expand on that today because we didn't really get into the investing component of that one with the kids. Um, the other one was credit, like what is credit? And we recently did a show uh, with Peter Mullen who was there that day of the American of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Um, he was there that day at the Money Fair and he gave that session. We recently had him on the show. So I am not gonna go through that session again because essentially we just did a two hour show with him um, on almost that exact topic. Um, and then the fourth one, which we might not get to too much today was, was um, housing choices like one of the one of the biggest expenses that people have in their lives is their housing um and it's 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 probably for most people anyway at least early in life like the the expense that takes up the largest percentage of their dollars and so it's at least for purposes for purposes of budgeting and figuring out how to live within your means Figuring out that expense is really important at the beginning of that budgeting exercise because you kind of need that to like know how much is left. So that's when the kids go through this this budgeting exercise and go through the money fair. They oh they have historically had to go and figure out their housing choice first. Um, and I think that that's kind of like how it works in the real life too. Like you, you you know that's just a big huge expense and you have to kind of know that before you can design the rest of your life. And I I think when when you were asking for somebody to come up and give at the end at the end of the fair you asked for somebody to come up and you know say one thing that they remembered or yeah, learned yeah. I think that's what that's what one of the people said was about how you know roughly what percentage of your income you're supposed to spend on your house oh yeah and I was like yep that's a good that's, oh, I didn't that's, remember a, that. that's a good one yeah the, the, the young man the, said that uh, I forget yeah but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was uh, and I was like yep that's a yeah that's a good takeaway because that's you know oftentimes we see people that um you know because if you overextend on your house or your or your place to live yeah that makes the whole rest of your life tougher to fit into you know what's left as far as your budget absolutely um and you and obviously you don't want to tell somebody they have to sell their house or move because that's a huge change you know in the real world yeah. it's not that easy to do right, right? you know yeah. people don't want to do it uh for you know for you know maybe sentimental reasons or or it's just you know it's a huge hassle to you know sell a house move all that stuff and uh, but if guys if you get into a house that's quote unquote too big for you um that can make make everything else you know fairly challenging absolutely sharon and i recently were did a show and we were talking sharon mcnamara who's a real estate professional we're doing we're talking about almost this exact thing recently on a show. And, you know, I, along those lines, because housing, whether it's whether it's rent when you're young or whether it's, you know, a mortgage payment when you're older, um, that because it's such a large component of your expenses, 
now you can understand why historically financial professionals anyway, or, or just people in general have always had that goal of, I need to get that housing expense behind me before I retire. Right. Like, you know, it's in general, like, you know, everybody's different, but in general, yeah, it's great if your mortgage can be gone by the time you retire. So that's, it's a really good goal for people in general, things change. And we had a conversation with, a gentleman who called in on, to that real estate show and you know he was 77 and still carried a small mortgage but his payment was like 400 bucks a month and it was and I was kind of like well why are you rushing to pay this down too right. you know it's you know if, if it's not killing you to make a $400 a month payment you know and you're 77 like maybe it doesn't matter that you carry a little bit of debt um so everything's different, but in general, you have your big housing expenses early in life, like you're getting your mortgage paid off. And then if it's paid off by retirement, then you need less money at that time. Translation, you didn't have to save as much. Your portfolio doesn't need to be as large because your expenses are lower if that's the case. And um, Sharon and I were actually just talking about how that's not always the case and how there's all these things that are you know, going on in, in the world, contributing to the fact that it's hard for some people, it's harder to get that debt eliminated by retirement. You know, a lot of people borrow from the equity in their home for college, for their kids, for example. Um, real estate is just- Renovation. Yeah, like re real, real estate is just expensive and it's harder for people to, to do that downsize later in life because there's not a lot of, relatively inexpensive, small retiree type homes in this area of the world. And so we were just kind of talking about how like, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't always happen that way anymore. But anyway, we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, housing was one of the housing choices, um, was one of the opening sessions for the money fair. And it was great for the kids to have made that decision, like sort of right, at the, right at the beginning. And then they have their number, like their biggest number so that they can, um, work through the rest of the exercise. So <clears throat> I just wanted to like sort of back up and, and one of the things we do at the very beginning of the smart with money fair is I talk to the kids about just like why we're here. Why, why is this so important mm -hmm. in my mind anyway? And I think a lot of people agree that some, you know, education in the world of personal finances is, is, is really important for someone starting their, uh, starting their life independently, independent from their parents. Um, and you know, I, what I say to them is, I mean, I, I just can't stress enough that like that building financial habits is just so important early in life because, well, how many times have you sat down from a client who was in their fifties or sixties or something? And, you know, they're talking about, you know, it's just normal for us in the course of meeting someone that first, you know, consultation meeting and, you know, they kind of give you a background of their life and what's happened and they, where they are now and what they're looking for in terms of help from us. And, you know, how many times have you had that conversation with someone and wished, God, I really wish I had met these people 10 or 20 years ago. Too, too many times. Yeah. And it's just, and, you know, and, and I kind of say like, and they kind of know the, 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 peop, the people that sometimes people know that, like I, you know, I really should have asked these questions, you know, a lot of years ago. And it's just the kind of thing that sometimes people don't get around to, or they're embarrassed or they're, you know, they, you know, for whatever reason, um, sometimes people just wait too long to really address the issue of, am I on track financially? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the reality of it is that they're just busy, you know, life is busy and 
yeah. you know, saving for retirement. You know, I think for a lot of people, it just seems so far off that, you know, maybe it doesn't seem like a priority and, you know, they're busy you know, paying other bills and, and, yeah. and living their life. And, you know, maybe they want to enjoy life while they're young and travel and spend money doing that kind of stuff. And, and then, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately sometimes, you know, they, they're, you know, 50, 55, you know, 60 and they're like, okay, now I'm ready to think about retirement. Yeah. And, and you know, it becomes a lot harder to, you know, save money if you, if you, if you have a shorter period of time, uh, plus you lose out on all the, you know, compounding and all that other good stuff. And, but I think that's just kind of the reality of it. And, and, you know, hopefully, yeah, if we can, if, pe- if people can start learning habits earlier on, maybe that'll help, uh, you know, solve that problem, at least for, for some folks. Yeah. And some people think that, you know, it, if you, I think that some people avoid, um, I'm not necessarily saying that everyone needs a financial advisor earlier in life, but, but I think some people might avoid asking the questions because they almost like don't want the truth, right? They don't, they don't want to know. And, and it's not that like, you know, if you, if you go meet with a financial advisor before you're really ready to save some big money, which... <clears throat> which is common for people on the younger side. You know, they might be like, well, why do I need a financial advisor? I only can save 200 bucks a month or whatever it is. Like it, that, that's, that's, that's not why we want people to come see us earlier. It's because there might just be one little tweak here or there, one little thing that they're, that they could be doing differently that will look, change the course even a little bit and and that's helpful and it's not that people you know need to have tons of money in order to to meet with a financial professional at least get some good guidance yeah. right and and so um that's all i mean by like sometimes i meet people in their you know pre-retiree years 50s or 60s or whatever and and had i met them 20 years before you know maybe I, maybe we wouldn't have had like a formal relationship because maybe there weren't assets to be managed or maybe they didn't you know it's not like they needed you know a, a lot of our detailed planning services or things like that. But what I mean by what I mean by I wish I met them earlier is I wish I could have just given them one or two or three things to think about or do differently so that fast forward those 20 years, they're in a better spot and they have less stress in their life because of finances. And so, um, you know, I just try to stress that to, to the, to the young people that it's just super important to just do these, you know, get into those uh, good habits early in life. So you mentioned compounding and compounding well, interest and, and we can. Yeah. And, I, I, and you can, Ooh. yeah, but I just had one thing along those lines and then I think it ties into what you're going to say here, but um, you know, I've seen, you know, many times, you know, somebody comes in for maybe for the first time to, you know, say hello and, and meet us and, you know, maybe they bring in their, you know, financial statements and, you know, I look through them and I say, oh, you know, you got a lot of money in cash here. Mm. You, know, you got a lot of money sitting in like a money market or something. And, and they're like, oh, really? And because they don't know what, you know, they don't necessarily know what their money's in and, or maybe they do. And they say, oh, well, you know, I was just, I added some money to this account a long time ago and I just, I, 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 I forgot about it. I, f- I forgot about yeah. or I forgot about it. I wasn't, you know, yeah. I figured I'd get to it sooner or later. And then, you know, next thing you know, five years, 10 years goes by and, and the money's not doing anything. And that's, you know, that's, you know, a lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so that's just one of those things where if you're, yeah, if you're not, if you like not talking to somebody, you know, not talking to somebody that, you know, maybe knows. You that's know, a what, quick, easy thing. Like yeah. get this money in, but you know, had you met those people 10 years before, right. that's super quick and easy. Right. 
you know, get the, put this money in this target date fund or whatever it whatever, is. And, yeah. you know, Some, something that's going to actually, you know, help, help to grow your money and, and, and help you out. And, and that, you know, I think that ties into your, you know, to the compounding thing. Yeah. If you're going to do, are you going to do an example there? Well, or? I did an example with the students and I tried to make it pretty simple, but I basically during the actual money fair, we didn't have enough time to go over, um, really deep like detail not that it needs to be too detailed but we really didn't have time to get into investing and why people invest their well I, I want to talk about why people invest their money but the details like you know what is a stock what is a bond what is a mutual fund what will be your choices when you if you have a 401k available to you one day or an IRA um, we didn't have time to get into that and also I kind of thought it would be like information overload for these 18 year olds because even when I do financial education for my adult clients Sometimes it's like in, you know, deer in headlights. And, and even though I try to do it at a pretty basic level, it just can be a little bit too much sometimes. So, but what I, what I said was, I want you to understand, I keep saying it's so important to start young. It's so important to start young. And my quick example was, what if you could save a hundred dollars a month for 40 years? And let's assume it's invested. And I think I use like a seven or an 8% rate of return. The, the rate of return doesn't matter all that much. But so if you invest a hundred dollars a month, I'm going to take a hundred, multiply by 12 months. And then I'm going to multiply that by 40 years. So that's 480 payments of a hundred dollars a month. So in terms of your actual money, you are putting away 48,000 of your own dollars. Okay, so $100 a month times 12 months times 40 years. Now, 40 years is a really long time. So for someone to be disciplined enough to put that $100 a month away every single month for the rest of their life, not the rest of their life, for 40 years, takes discipline. Yeah, but so, say, so, so say you start at 25 and go to 65. That's, you know, reasonable. Yeah, actually, hold on. I'm doing it the wrong way. Hold on, hold on. No, it's better if I do it the other way. Wait, scratch that. Tim, rewind, cut what I said. No, I'm kidding. We record live, so we can't do that. Um, all right, I'll do that in uh, post. Okay, yeah. all right. No, yeah. no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, better, it's better if you do it this way. Ready? Pretend like I didn't say that. What if you can save $200 a month for 20 years? Okay, so if you save $200 a month times 12 months in a year times 20 years, you're putting away 48,000 of your own dollars. So it's, it's the same math I did a minute ago and I'll say that again. But so if you save for 20 years, $200 a month every month, you're putting away 48,000 of your own dollars. Okay. And if you had invested that money and if you could earn an average of, let's call it 8% per year, I'm going to make a guess at how much your, did you already do the math? No. So if you took away 48,000 of your own dollars over a 20 year period at $200 a month, what does that translate to in terms of dollars <clears throat> if you can earn 7% on it per year. I'm sorry, I used 8%, 8% per year. Do you have a guess? No. <laughs> $110,000. Okay. Okay. So if you, 200 bucks a month, 20 years, 8%, I'm gonna do the math one more time. 
$200 a month, 8%, 20 years. You have $110,000. Okay. Okay. So you more than doubled your money. And that's, and this, this is just an example of why people invest, right? So that, because you're trying to grow your money so that you don't have to work as hard to save more money, right? Like for the people that don't invest and the people that have that money in cash for a long period of time, they don't get the benefits of their money growing and working for them. So they have to work harder to put more money in versus the person right next to them who's saving the same amount who's investing. And then their, their money over a long period of time is working for them, not guaranteed. That's my compliance dis- disclosure. But right. over long periods of time, um, historically anyway, people that have invested money in s- some sort of a portfolio with stock exposure, um, diversified stock exposure, I should say, um, has actually grown their wealth and outpaced inflation. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, not, not to even mention inflation. I mean, if, if inflation is averaging, you know, over a long period of time, if it's averaging somewhere, but you know, between two and 3% per year. Yeah. And if, you know, if a money market fund these days is paying, you know, less than a percent and if your money is sitting there, yeah, on paper, it looks like it's getting, you know, like your money's growing every year, but really yeah. your, your real return, quote unquote, relative to inflation is, is negative. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's just, that's a whole nother, another consideration. The, so let me come back to my example where we saved $200 a month for 20 years. So we turned our 48,000 of our own hard earned money into $110,000. Now... We can go back to where I accidentally started. Now, if you save $100 a month for 40 years, so you save half as much for twice as long. Mm -hmm. So you could argue whether or not that's harder or easier, but I think it's easier to save a smaller amount, right? Because it, it hurts less in that month. So you're still saving- Same rate of return. 48,000 of your own dollars, half as much, twice as long. And if you do that and you can earn the same rate of return of 8%, instead of having $110,000, you have, do you want to make a guess? Uh, $310,000. Okay. I was going to guess at least double, but It's yeah. more than yeah. double, which yeah. was, which is six times your money. Now I can't guarantee an 8% return and all that. But even if you did it at five, six, 7% per year rate of return, that the person who saved for the longer period of time is going to be far better off because they're getting the benefits of what you mentioned earlier, which is compounding interest, which is earnings on my money and then earnings on my earnings and then earnings on those earnings on those earnings. And it just goes on and on and on. And, and that's why people say, you know, start early, you know, save early and often early because and often. The, you're just, you have to, you don't have to work as hard in terms of taking your own dollars and putting them away in savings or your in investment account if you can do it for a long period of time. So I say to the kids, you know, at the money fair, if you, if you learn one thing from today, 
It is to put money into your 401k or an IRA as soon as you start working. Now, yes, there will be a waiting period, maybe six months, something like that, to get into a 401k if you work for an employer that has a retirement plan. And even if you don't work for an employer that has a retirement plan, anyone can put money into an IRA that has earned income. Um, it just might be something different from a 401k. So, but if you if they learn one thing, it's that when you start working at age 18 or 20, whatever, you start saving some percentage of your money. I give them a target 10 to 15%. We're gonna get into that later in the show because they, because they will be far better off if they've taken advantage of time and compounding of interest. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, at the very beginning of the fair, this is why we're here today. You need to learn to start early time as your friend in the world of personal finance. Well, in the world of investing anyway. Um, and it's just super important to start doing that stuff early. So. Um, all right, we got to take a quick break. Uh, that segment flew by. I get really excited about talking about the money fair. Every time we do this show, I get really excited. Um, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking this morning about maybe back to basics type stuff and modeling today's show off of the uh, financial education fair that we recently did here in Marshfield. And we have talked about doing it actually in the Merrimack Valley. And if anyone is listening that works at a school around there that might want to chat about it, give us a call at the office. You can find our contact info at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking this morning uh, back to basics. I'm kind of modeling it on the educational fair that we do for the high school kids. We did it recently at Marshfield. Um, I'm joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. And I know I've made it because they just play one of my introductions. I know. I said, oh, you recorded something? I didn't remember that you did that. Yeah. It's all happening. You've it's made, all happening you've now. You've made it big, the mm-hmm. big time now. Yeah. Um, all right, so we were talking before the break about the, I guess, just the importance of starting early in terms of um, financial responsibility and just doing what you can to um, to make it easier. And really, it, it makes it easier later in life. I mean, the, the the less debt you accrue, the more assets you build. It just is easier, and you have less stress later on. Um, not that if if you don't happen to start early with your good financial decisions and you get yourself into some trouble. It's not that you can't turn it around. Um, better late than never for sure. But um, I just, when I talk to the um, the high school kids about this stuff, I, I really try to hammer that point home. Like, you know, start early, start early, start early. Things are so much easier later on. Don't wait until you're 40 or 50 or God forbid later t- uh, to, um, to start getting serious about saving some money and, and reducing debt. So I had, I had a... Um related topic uh, that I wanted to just talk about for a sec. Um, You know, and this is something, you know, I'm I'm sure, my guess is that it didn't come up with these kids because this is a a little bit of a detailed issue, sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, at least for the kids. But, you know, for somebody that is, is saving for retirement and, you know, we talk about, you know, yeah, early and often, and you got to do it for a long period of time. But in reality, you know, there are going to be periods of time when, you know, if you're invested in stocks, particularly, you know, you can see your account go down. Yeah. And, you know, we talk to people, you know, m- maybe people that come in to, for, the, for the first time, you know, not, not existing clients, but people look at, and this is, you know, this is, my, this is my little, you know, plug maybe for working with a financial advisor is, 
you know, during a down period, they either they get nervous or or they don't, you know, they don't see. They feel like they feel like they're, you know, throwing their money away, you know, quote unquote. They, yeah, they, you know, they, it's they, hard to put money into something and see it be smaller. They, they were like, wow, you know, I, I, yeah. I put money into this thing last last month and my account went down. And yeah, that's and really hard to understand. It's hard. To, it is. It's hard. It's hard to understand. And too often, you know, more often than I like to admit, I talk to people that people that we you know what, like I said, you know, we're, we're not working with an, with an advisor. Maybe they stopped adding to their 401k because because they felt that way. You know, yep. they felt like they were yeah, you know yeah, yeah. throwing good money after bad, um, and they didn't quite understand you know the long term ramifications and you know and you know if you, and if you think about it and this is and this is one of those things where you know investing in the stock market requires that you have you know faith in the future, right? Um, and that's you know that's something that. You know, obviously we have, um, and you know we have, you know, but we have you know statistics and you know history to back that up as far as what's happened, you know, historically, and we can, and that's something that we can help, you know, educate people on, you know, what's happened in the past, why it's, ha- you know, perhaps, you know, why it's happened, you know, we don't know the future, um, but we can talk about, you know, what's, what's driven the stock market over the long run, and why that's more than likely to continue. And, you know, because if you, you know, if you stop adding uh, or, you know, if you stop adding to your 401k or retirement plan, uh, especially when it's down, I mean, that's, you know, you could could argue that you're missing out on missing out on a sale. Um, You know, if the market's going down and you stop adding to it, you're, you know, you're now you're not buying, you know, you're not buying shares at, you know, reduced cost. Um, So you could argue that's, you know, that's, that's a better time to be adding money. Um, Yeah. But too often sometimes, you know, um, that's it's tough, tough to understand. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. Um, I talk about that. Yeah. We didn't much get into that, the money fair, but I talk about that with most often new clients, right? Because when you, when you meet someone for the first time and you don't know exactly what their history has been regarding their experience investing and, um, you know, how they, how they react in a downturn, like a market downturn, I mean, I think what the other component to that is, is that the markets, the U S stock market anyway, has been pretty strong for a decade and it, people aren't used to seeing downturns in the value of their money. Um, however, if you rewind five or six years, people were too nervous to invest. Right. And, and now you fast forward 10 years and and it's relatively easy to make money and we don't see a lot of volatility and you know i they don't under, they kind of forget that downturns are normal um like we you know the 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 stock market recovery from the credit crisis a decade ago started in march of 2009 and so now we're going on 11 years right and um you know, I don't, I don't know the statistics of how much the market has increased since March of 09, but it's crazy huge. <laughs> it's, it's a huge, I can, if you give me a minute, I can tell yeah, you. yeah, it's huge. Um, and I think people forget that downturns in the market are normal, but they are. And so I think a lot of this is related to education and people understanding what, it helps to understand what's happened historically, not that it's good, not that the future is going to mimic that, but but 
if people understand that all throughout history, any downturn in the market has been followed by a recovery. And generally speaking, the recoveries are longer and taller than the downturn and you more than recover any temporary losses. But I think a lot of that is related to education. But for example, like we had a down, we've had almost a 10 year straight bull market and that's the good one. And, but for example, in from September of 2018 through December, I think it was like literally through Christmas of 2018. So a little bit more than a year ago, we had a pretty significant downturn. And the US market in that time was down to like 15 or 20% just in a few months, which is a significant downturn in a, in a short period of time. Fortunately, the market had a very quick recovery from that because after Christmas of 18, we had a very fant- we had a quick recovery and a really good 2019. So people kind of forgot about that. So, but, but then just last year, excuse me, just last month, January of 2020, um, we had another downturn. It was only a few percent, I think. And, and people are kind of like, hey, what's going on? You know, and they just kind of forget that, well, that's normal. Right. And it doesn't just go straight up forever. And, and we have ups and downs and that's normal. Um, but go ahead. What did you find the... Yeah. So from September of 09 through Friday, uh, the S&P 500 was up 208%. Yeah. So divided by... I mean, so it's almost twenty percent per year. I mean, or, uh, it's like, I'm sorry. Uh, let me see. It's I I, I want to say it's been like fourteen percent per year in the last decade. When you talk about the U.S. market, Excuse the international me, yeah. markets yeah, are very right. different. Yeah. Um, and actually, that if you look at really long term average Super. returns for the U.S. market, they're closer to ten or eleven percent. Maybe now eleven percent because this has been a great decade. Yeah. But so this past 10 years, which happens to coincide like almost with like a, with like a clean decade, right? From almost 2010 to almost 2020. Right. Um, it, the U.S. market has outperformed its long-term historical average. Um, and I keep, you know, I keep saying to people like this, you know, this might not continue forever. In fact, it probably won't. And we'll see some periods of time where the U.S. market is an underperformer. Um, having said that, international markets, their, their decade-long returns are far less than their long-term averages. And, and that's, you know, that will probably turn as well and, and go in the other direction um, for international markets. And, and maybe the U.S. market will be an underperformer this decade. I mean, we don't know. Or, you know, I hope it continues to be awesome for another 10 years. That'd be great. But um, probably won't be that simple. Probably won't be that easy. I mean. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they look at, um, you know, they look at past, you know, past performance and they say, and they look at, you know, where it's gone and, you know, basically it has to come down at some point to get back to where it's supposed to be. And they basically factor that in, you know, they factor that in to, you know, when you're deciding what you're going to invest in and and trying to spread it out. Right. Um, Yeah. So you were talking earlier about like, so, so. um, If you read, like, I, I can remember reading in recent years about, if you think about the people that had rewind 10 or 11 years, rewind 11 to 12 years, right? So in in the middle of the credit crisis and the great recession that followed, um, think about the people that had money invested in the markets that was aggressively invested, right? Those people 10 years ago were in their 30s, 40s, maybe 50s. And they 
and hopefully not much older than that, because if you're much older than that, you shouldn't have been probably aggressively invested, but at least in most of your money. Um, but then think about the kids of those people. Like, so if 10 years ago, there was a 40 or 50 something couple, let's say, that had, that was perhaps hopefully temporarily, but negatively affected by these significant downturns in the value of their portfolios. And then, and, and, and you know, couple that God forbid with a layoff of, you know, mom or dad or, or some financial troubles that followed. What's happened is that the kids of those people who are now financially independent adults themselves, maybe, right? So if they were maybe teenagers 10 years ago, now they're in their 20s and, and they're, you know, in control of their own financial lives, hopefully anyway. And, and what's happened is that those formerly kids saw their parents go through something really awful and now they fast forward and now they're really nervous mm. about putting money in the markets. And you can understand why, right? Because they, they saw this happen to their parents and they never want that to happen to them. And, and the, the, these are the people who um, have the money sitting in cash in their 401ks when they're in their 20s. And it gives me a little, it makes me a little nervous, you know, thinking about the, those people having their money in cash for 10 or 20 or 30 years and missing out on what we talked earlier about this wonderful thing that's compounding earnings and, and, and missing out on an ability to, to do better for themselves, in my opinion anyway, by, by investing in and hopefully growing their portfolio long-term and outpacing inflation and all these things. But I actually had a, a meeting um, in the last couple of weeks with a young couple who is uh, uh, kids of uh, existing clients of mine and, you know, just helping them out and giving them some advice. And, you know, the, the, the perfect example of, of a time when you can meet someone and you might not have a formal relationship, but you can give them some good advice and set them on their way. And hopefully you see them again in 20 years. And, um, you know, perfect example of that. But um, one of the members of this couple, um, very nervous about investing. And we kind of, and I was kind of talking through um, with this person and, and, um, and I, you can, I can understand why, but at the same time, I just felt like, oh, I just, I want to, I want to spend some more time with this person and I want to help you understand the world of investing because it's, it's not going to be good for you for the next 20 or 30 years to not, to, to tuck money away, but not do anything with that money this and have it sit in cash. The, the adult or the child? Uh, the, the, the child, mm. the uh, now adult child. So that's confusing, but mm. um, yeah. And I, and I think. You know, that's one of the things that it's really important. Again, we didn't get in, in the Smart Money Fair, we didn't get a lot of, we didn't get a lot of time to talk about the world of investing um, because I think, well, clearly there are there are habits that need to be formed before you even get to investing. And I think that that's the more appropriate place to start in terms of forming good, good habits uh, when you're talking to young kids. But yeah, this whole, um, you know, the whole dynamic of and understanding like, volatility is, yeah, is important. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a good educational topic uh, yeah. too. And, and, you know, maybe that's something, something you add, but yeah, I understand that's the kind of the next level. Um, yeah. you know, these are, these are kind of the basics, which are, which are, which are perfectly, you know, per, as long as they can get some of the basics, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, and this relates to, and I'm going off on a tangent and I, I do want to get to like the, 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 I did like a little PowerPoint for the kids and I want to kind of get to some of those topics, but I, um, so I'm 
I'm fini- I'm hoping to finish up my master's in taxation this year. I know I've, I've announced that on the show and I'm really hoping I can get that done this year. Oh, it's so I'm, I'm in the home stretch and I can see it. You know, I can see the end, but one of the classes is, um, I'll get the, uh, I'll get the frame ready. Okay. Thank you. And my, what, what the, what's the graduation hat called? Mm, Fedo- mor- mortar. I was going to say fedora, but no, a mortar. A mortar. <laughs> I get the mortar and tassels ready. Um, no, but one of my, one of my final classes that I'm taking is retirement plans. Uh, qualified retirement plans, which for me is, I'm kind of like, well, I should, you know, this should be not very difficult for me. This is like what I do almost every day. And, um, and so far it's been um, no problem. And, and, but the structure of this class is that you're graded based on participation. And um, this is an online class, so it's not like literal group discussion. It's an online forum and group discussion. And, and that's part of your grade. Anyway, um, one of the topics was, um, one of the topics was regarding employers that offer retirement plans and what are your thoughts regarding, you know, whether small businesses should offer retirement plans to employees? Because, you know, from what, from the employee perspective, of course, an employer should offer a retirement plan and the employer should match and the employee should get the, the free money, you know, the, the match. And from so from the employee perspective, it's a no brainer. Yeah, my company should offer a retirement plan that I can participate in. But when you flip and then, you, and then you're the employer and you are paying, first of all, you're, you're putting the money in for the match in addition to salary and payroll taxes and health benefits for your employees, right? And, but there's also a cost for employers to administer a retirement plan, in particular a 401k. There are, they have to pay annually to make sure their 401k is compliant and all these things. So, so the question was, you know, you know, if, if your client was an employer and let's call it a small business, right? Um, not a multi-billion dollar business, but like a small business, what, you know, what are your thoughts and what would your advice be on offering, um, retirement plans to people? And, um, you know, some, some of the comments were, oh, it's too costly for employers. And that's beside the point. And my comment was like, oh, no, stop it. Don't, you know, <laughs> of course, employers should try to offer them. There are less expensive options, as you and I know, simple IRAs and things for small businesses. But um, I launched off on this tangent for a reason. <laughs> Kirk's shaking his head. <laughs> he doesn't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. I got all excited talking about it. Um, uh, are we talking about like the new incentives for creating these plans or? No, uh, what were we talking about right before that? Uh, the volatility, education. Ow. Oh no. I was so excited to prove this point. Maybe I tuned out for a minute. I don't know. Yeah. No, but we were, but, um, oh, I know what it was. The, the, my comment is that like in this world of retirement plans in general that employers offer, First of all, I think it's fantastic when employers offer retirement plans for their employees. As you and I know, it is the logistically easiest and from a tax perspective, one of the best and most convenient places for people to save in a tax advantaged way yeah, you just, for retirement. Right, because they just take it out Set of your- Set it and forget t- it, take, right? it out of, take it out of your pay, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. so, so it's, it's on one hand, it's so fantastic from that perspective. On the other hand, there is no consistency Regulation, not that I'm a fan of overregulation, but there's no consistency with regards to employers 
getting their employees the information and the education that they need mm. to take advantage of that retirement plan in in the best way. And what I mean by that is like you had, you and I have both over the course of our careers seen people that yes, they're putting money in their 401ks. This is so great, but it's been sitting in cash for 15 years, right? Or, or they're putting money in their 401ks. They're going to be all set for retirement, right? I'm being facetious. And they're putting 4% in like for their entire life. You and I know that that's not going to afford someone a rosy retirement if your contributions are that small over time and you don't inherit lots of money, right? So that's why I got that. And and that's what one of my comments was. That's why I went off on this tangent about, you know, I, I think that, Yes, I, you know we're we're a small employer, and and yes, we offer a retirement plan to our employees, and yes, there are now new tax incentives to help more small employers offer these retirement savings plans to their employees, um, and there are cost-effective ways to do it. You know, not every employer has to offer a four hundred one k. There are options for small businesses that are not as costly. Um, but what I think is really really lacking is helping people take advantage of and use those properly in terms of how much they should be putting in, how they should be allocating their dollars. Having said that, I think that the rollout or the invention of these target date retirement plans has been awesome. Um, target date, what else are they called? Life path funds or yeah, target psych, date uh, funds, yeah. life cycle life funds. Cycle funds. Yeah. Yeah. All investment companies have like a different name for them. But in general, there are these, there are these like default investments for people in their 401ks where it's like, you know, pick the fund that has the retirement date that's closest to your retirement date. And you'll probably be like pretty okay in there for the long term. And, and I think that that is awesome. I think that whoever invented those is brilliant. And I think that it's just, you know, maybe they're not perfect. You know, they, they differ a little from our portfolios, sure. Um, you know, sometimes I help my clients put together something that more closely mimics our portfolios and, you know, that's all and well and good. But for someone to at least get started with something that's better than throwing all their money in cash or better than putting all their money in a, in a large US stock fund yeah. or putting all their money in a, in a bond fund or, in a, you know, something that's just, you know, you, that you and I know lacks diversification. Um, it's just so much better. And I like, that's a small step in the right direction with regards to helping people use their 401ks in an, in a proper way. Um, but is, that's why I launched this is not even, that. This is not even on the PowerPoint. It's not even on the PowerPoint, Kirk. Well, you know what? But I, you I know, told you we didn't need an outline for today, that I we guess. were going to be totally fine, just spitballing our, uh, you know, back to basics and topics. And then another, you know, another, th- th- another thing that we see sometimes is, you know, people come in with their statements and, and they're, and that, and they, and I look at their holdings, you know, in a 401k and I'm like, oh, did, you know, how did you come up with this? And they're like, oh, I just grabbed a bunch of different funds yeah. and, and, or, or sometimes they put some money in, <laughs> into this, into the, you know, the life cycle fund, but then they've got money in a bunch of other funds. And it's like, yeah. well, that, that's, that's not really a strategy. I yeah. mean, that's just kind of like seeing what does best maybe. And then if, you know, so if you're in and out and it's just, you're not going to get, you're not going to get the same return as if you just get something and, and, and stick with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at least those people are diversified. If they're picking well, a bunch of things, it's kind of like, well, at least they've got some diversification and at least they're invested. I guess. Yeah. Um, but there's more to it. Yeah. There's more to it than that. Mm. Yeah. But maybe I'll, so I, you know, I like to come up with big ideas, right? Maybe well, I'll, maybe well, I'll come up with a something 
that in presentation packet, you know, and I know some employers have them, right? They get a little lit pamphlet about, you know, what, how much to save and all that stuff. And maybe I can make that fancier and globally uh, let, let people in on my brilliance. Sounds good. All right. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I was told that my microphone was too loud, so I'll turn it down now. Uh, We're talking about back to basics, modeling uh, today's discussion on our smart money fair we do with the high school kids, but making it more globally appropriate. We'll be right back. (laughs) 